if we follow you know just the ethical side of things i think we're missing out on on what god has for us in business namely mm. the discipleship of ourselves and others wherever we end up expending our time treasure and talent ultimately is is inextricably and undeniably linked to, to our faith and who we are welcome and thanks for joining in another episode of the upside down people This is a podcast where we explore the intersection of theology, culture, and Christian practice. It's a podcast where we seek to encourage each other in our faith through conversations that see the gospel in life. In this episode, we sit down with Ben Collins to have a conversation about the relationship between faith and business. Ben's no stranger to the marketplace and all of its highs and lows, but more than that, he is no stranger to the formative impact that the gospel has on one's life. I'm excited for you guys to join in on this conversation. So let's dive in. So welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thank you. Great to be here. Lovely studio. Enjoying the snacks. I'm glad you are enjoying the snacks. I um, You've got quite the array there. I know. It's like a smorgasbord of M&Ms. Exactly. I, I'm a big M&M fan myself, so... Yeah. Is a little check-in favorite favorite M&M? Favorite M&M. Mine would be the peanut butter M&M, but you can't find them in Australia. You can only find them in America. Although you, I think there's some specialty or novelty like candy stores okay. that you can get them, but they're like $15 a bag. Ah, uh, so kind of you're, you're, um, once I taste them, you're saying it could cost me if I like them. Exactly. You call me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you sound like a businessman, and that's exactly why I'm wanting to talk to you. But before we jump into it, tell us a bit about yourself, about what you do, what you're currently involved in, and what makes you passionate, I suppose, about the space that you're in. Sure, absolutely. I think you definitely never want to be defined by your past, but I think sometimes when you're listening to people's story, uh, it, it inevitably has to begin in the past. Um, and so for 17 years, I was the CEO uh, of an automotive company. Um, and alongside that, we built up a commercial property company. Uh, and when I got to 40, I kind of uh, felt uh, a stirring. Um, I think I would definitely say it was a conviction of the Holy Spirit um you know others would say i had a feeling um that i knew how that story ended i could see what that looked like uh possibly even as far as retirement um although that's a concept i don't agree with but we can come back to that one yeah. um and so uh, i sold the businesses pre covid um and we kind of uh, i guess uh, we geared really being honest with you uh, our marriage our family life our home um really very very focused upon my work uh and suddenly there was no my work uh and suddenly we're in this position where we'd 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 almost channeled everything into this exit into this liquidity event uh, and suddenly it happened uh, and suddenly there are a lot more options and choices in life uh and we just had time to reflect and consider what does the next chapter look like? Yeah, very cool. Just for our listeners, you've obviously got an accent. <laughs> so we're, we're currently in Perth, Australia. 
where are where's your background from? Yeah, so this 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 story began uh, for the first forty four years of my life, predominantly in London. Uh, I was born right in the centre of London in wow. Westminster. Um, I lived uh, in the northern suburbs. Um, uh, not that they would be referred to as the northern suburbs. I was I was almost austra <laughs> australising that here for the audience. <laughs> um, Is that a good thing or a bad thing in terms of? So you you're saying you're australising it for the for the audience. Uh, the audience, I suppose, if they're listening and they're based in Perth, they'd obviously have a perception of north versus south, right? Ah, uh, yeah. And so kind of similar thing. Yeah. The river uh, divides London, yeah, uh, as in many ways it does Perth. Yeah. And so there definitely was that concept of north versus south. Um, you know, soccer teams, uh, you know, revolved around north and south of the river uh, and actually did create you know cultural divides in in ways that i guess for those uh you know may find surprising but it, it was interesting that that definitely definitely made a difference yeah and then so how did you end up here in perth then so having sold uh the business i think uh perceived wisdom uh would have been to take a break um i i would like to have thought that i may have had the maturity uh, or wherewithal to ask myself when's enough enough uh, but actually I kind of springboarded uh, out of the exit into setting up an investment company uh, and at the same time uh, took on leadership uh, of our local vineyard church so I went from like one uh, full-time job uh, plus uh, to what felt like two full-time jobs uh, and as wow. and as a result of that uh, and you know it's it's almost in some ways uh, it, it embarrassing to say but I, I had a significant uh, health decline um, which was in hindsight really uh, adrenal um, overload uh, adrenal fatigue um, and that kind of stopped us in our tracks uh, for about three months, I really couldn't function at any level at all uh, beyond, you know, getting out of bed or getting off the sofa. And I think it was in that moment of uh, our crisis. I mean, everyone's, you know, uses a term, you know, differently. But for us, you know, that 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 moment of crisis was well, actually, where do we want to be for the next few decades? What do we want to be doing? Um, and really, those questions came out of of a, of a health issue, uh, and that is what eventually uh, landed us here in Perth. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. I'm so glad you have arrived here in Perth because I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and it's already been so good to start off with. So, you're obviously a businessman. You're in the the space. Yep. You're in that realm, um, and You've briefly mentioned that you have a faith. Um, so do you believe there is a connection between one's faith and their practice of business? And if so, how would you describe it? Oh, it's a, a really a really good question. Uh, and I think it probably deserves some kind of like multifaceted response. Um, I suppose for me, just taking a step back from that, I would probably say that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, wherever we end up expending our time, treasure, and talent, uh, ultimately is is 
inextricably and undeniably linked to, to our faith and who we are. Um, and so for me, it would be a, a very natural thing for faith and business uh, to be linked um, because it's just part of, of who we are in the 24-7 uh, cycle. And so, you know, as a follower of Jesus, ultimately you're a follower of Jesus and, you know, you, you take that representation wherever you go. And so why wouldn't you take it into the business world? Um, and, and then I suppose the, the other thought I have around that is what, what, was, what was God looking to do by sending Jesus to earth? For, for me, the, 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 the wholesale mission uh, was the redemption uh, of earth, of seeing heaven come to earth. And in, you know, in Jesus's final words, you know, they were his final words with a great commission. Uh, and it strikes me that that great commission is as likely uh, to be fulfilled in the workplace as anywhere else. Wow. That's awesome. So I love how you used um, that word redemptive. What does that mean and what does that look like in the workplace? Yeah, and and so I suppose I think what I would say is I don't pretend to have all the answers. Uh, all I can do is give my answers. Yeah, I don't think they're all the answers. Um, and so for me, I feel that ethical business is great and should be applauded, and people, you know following uh, corporate and social responsibility and the ESG agenda should all be applauded. But to me, they're almost the hygiene factors uh, of businesses as a Christian. I would just expect that. Uh, I don't think that's redemptive in and of itself. I think the things that make business redemptive are actually the hard things that haven't frequently been spoken about, which for me are, are really about discipleship and evangelism. And I think they're like the hard yards of, of how do you see that happen in the workplace. Mm. And for example, I totally get why we wouldn't rush there. Uh, I totally get how difficult it is. And without, you know, wanting to turn your podcast into, you know, something that, that it's not, which is, you know, an agenda. But I think in terms of like the church and my experience within the church, evangelism and discipleship is hard, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's sometimes easier to follow the social justice uh, angle on things. But ultimately, I believe that at that point, uh, you know, the gospel and the gospel cent uh, centricity sort of gets watered down. And I feel that the same about redemptive business, that if we follow you know, just the ethical side of things, I think we're missing out uh, on, on what God has for us in business, namely mm -hmm. the discipleship of ourselves and others. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, the evangelism of those who we get to, to meet with and spend time with within a business context. Yeah, very good. Um, I love how, yeah, you, you've said that the approach that you take is a gospel-centered approach and that the baseline for any business should be those ethical foundations. Um, but then God's redemptive work goes further than that um, in what you're saying in, in discipleship. So I'm, I'm wondering how... How does that look like, say, for your your daily um, endeavor and work? What does it look like to participate in discipling yourself and discipling others? Yeah, 
have noticed that by our topic choice, this is not very lighthearted, is it? <laughs> we, we we went from the M and M's pretty pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, I'm just so curious. I I, I hope you don't mind. I, I just like it's good. It's good. I, I was just laughing at how our, our intensity changed quickly. Um, no, feel free to no, bring no, it no, back no. at any point. No, no, listen, I love this topic, so it's all good. Um, so M and M's or no, 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 no. So so I think really what. What am I doing, you know, in life now, I think would be, uh, just to give that a kind of umbrella statement, mm. would be enabling kingdom entrepreneurs. And so within that, um, we have developed, Megan, who's my wife, and I have developed out a, a, a giving platform called Just So. And that really focuses on the entrepreneurs within ministry. Um, but the thing that I, we are going to touch on and talk about a little more, I feel, is the the, the second vertical, which is you know entrepreneurs uh, within business. Um, and so I feel like the, the the discipleship there looks like you know surrounding yourself uh, in in a great cohort of other people who are in similar workplaces or similar experiences. You know, find a great guide or coach. Um, uh, to help uh, disciple you within the business environment because there are definitely specific challenges there. Mm. Um, and I think really, for me personally, the the discipleship, I feel, happens, you know, around the people we surround ourselves with. You know, I, I'm a great believer in that iron sharpens iron. Um, and 100%, I'm trying to put myself actively in places where I feel a little uncomfortable. I, I feel challenged. I feel a healthy level of love and support, but I equally recognise a healthy level uh, of challenge and push. Um, I, I think that is absolutely needed in all of our relationships for them to be healthy. And I think that the workplace discipleship doesn't look any different to that. Mm. Yeah, very cool. So... What would be your, I suppose, your argument for people engaging in this space in a similar manner to, or similar approach to how you've engaged in it, in that discipleship framework or mindset or lens, whatever you want to um, say it as, what, what's the argument for that? I suppose, Caleb, for, for me... And I'd be interested to, to, I know you're asking the questions, but to hear your view. But I think that every action that we repeat often enough becomes a habit. Like, and, and so, I, you know, I'm sure you've got views on that, you know, within, you know, uh, both spiritually and also around exercise and, and, and nutrition and lots of other things that I'm sure you're thoroughly invested in. In fact, I know you're thoroughly invested. But but I think while well, you feed me the M and M, not a great argument so far. <laughs> but but I think that, that the reality is that my 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 argument would be that I w I would want to be in a position where I've got people surrounding me who are actively encouraging me to repeat behaviours until they become habits. And so where are those people in my life who are encouraging me? into the word of God? Mm. Where are those people in my life who are encouraging me into a, a, you know, a, a prayer life, um, which is which is active and vibrant? Um, and really the same then goes to me in, into the workplace of where are those people who are, who are asking 
you know, the difficult questions. Where are those people who are asking, what what's my business doing um, in terms of uh, showing God's love? and a high view of people to the those who work in the organization mm. uh, to suppliers to customers um and I think having those people around who who ask the questions that help you form healthy habits that to me really is a key part of the discipleship mm. so it sounds like from from what you're saying um that's the so the framework that you've set up for yourself is something similar that you desire to say with those entrepreneurs you're talking about before, is that a similar framework that you'd want them to enter into? Definitely. Definitely. I think, you know, ultimately there are a lot uh, of great people out there. There's a lot of great organizations and there's a lot of great help um, to run uh, an ethically sound business. Uh, there aren't so many people who want to put themselves in the firing line to help you run a redemptive business. Mm. And I, I fully expect that, um, you know, there, there will be at some stage, you know, renewal and revival in cities because of the decisions that business owners are making. It, it seems like, you know, ultimately a great route for the Holy Spirit to take. And, you know, I, I would love to be part of a small part in that journey and that story. Yeah, that's exciting. So what got you to to this place then? I suppose in terms of, for me, it was like uh, there's a great book uh, called uh, Second Mountain by David Brooks. Okay. Uh, and I think it was probably the first book I read in Perth. Like, you know, not that that, that was just, you know, that's how it played out. But I think in my first uh, two weeks in Perth, you know, I read that book and I just thought, wow. You know, if I was able to be that literate, that is what I would have articulated. Uh, <laughs> what's it? A, what's I'm it about? Did it for me. So yeah, so it's really about you know how we spend the first part of our life, and by part, it definitely doesn't mean half. So if you're sitting there thinking, you know, well, you know, I'm 25, uh, <laughs> this doesn't apply to me, I, I would disagree. I think it says that you know we spend the first part of our life in some ways conforming to what the world's version of success is namely you know we're desperate to run through brick walls we're desperate to have a title on our office door we're desperate Mm -hmm. to you know see our bank account grow and you know we can we can maybe wrap that up as its provision but actually there's probably an ego element to it as well and ultimately the book says at some point you realize the first part is over and that the second part is going to begin and the second part is one of love and service of others wow. uh, and the second part is how can i help you climb your mountain mm-hmm. not how can i race to the top of my own um and i think that's a you know a poorly paraphrased uh effort uh that won't make blinkist in terms of a 15 minute review of a book but it's a, <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a great book um and i think that summed up as well as resonated exactly where I was and what I was looking to do with the next part of my life. Yeah. I was going to ask a, a follow-up question on the book, but that's all right. Feel free. <laughs> Feel free. No, no, no. That's that's fine. It, it sounds like... I haven't actually read the book, but it sounds um, pretty instrumental in the way that you've gathered 
all your past experience and what you're wanting to do and entering into like a, I don't know how you'd frame it, maybe like a mentorship role or something like that where. Yeah, I want to, you know, definitely mentor, but to be thoroughly invested in people as well. And one of the things I loved about David Brooks's book, actually, he wrote a book prior to that called The Road to Character. And I'd read that five years before and I thought it was great. And I loved his humility that as he started out on the the uh, the second mountain, he's like, I know I wrote this book before that millions of people have read, but I just like to say, I think in places I was wrong. And I just really appreciated that. Yeah. I, I suppose in some ways I also shared with him that some of my views perhaps that I'd expressed in my 20s and 30s, that I definitely was convinced I'd be standing by till the day I die were actually wrong and needed to be reframed and needed to be redeemed. So yeah, it was interesting. It's probably timely. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, um, yeah, Tim Keller didn't start, actually I could be wrong. I, I think it was Tim Keller. Didn't start writing until he was after, like, over the age of 50. And one of his reasonings were that your views do change as you go through your 20s, then go through your 30s and 40s. And obviously with life experience, you create more empathy as well and understanding around different circumstances. And then it sort of solidifies, um, which I suppose makes sense as well. Um in terms of, I haven't read the book Second Mountains, but what it sounds like is you're at a stage where you have had experience, you have had insight into what it's like to climb, um, the struggles, the challenges, um, and now you're in such a prime position to be able to serve others, um, which I'd say that in itself is like imitating Christ because he's come to serve us um that's what he did he he came to serve others and he laid down his own desires his own um treasures so that others could be redeemed um yeah absolutely yeah you, you've got a little smirk on your face what's that oh no I'm, i was i was actually just enjoying you talking and asking me a question <laughs> that was what the smirk was for i was thinking this is really good after that i can have another peanut m and yeah, yeah yeah go oh, for it no, i was enjoying what you're saying oh uh, so diving back into, um, I'm, I'm curious with regards to your business experience, have you faced any challenges or conflicts between your convictions, even now that you currently have, um, and certain business practices or ethics or decisions and um, how have you navigated those situations? So I think there's the, sometimes the, the more obvious uh, you know, battles, uh, and then there's the more subtle underlying conversation. Uh, I think both both are important. You know, I think ultimately, you know, capitalism, you know, has proven to be, you know, in one way, extremely effective uh, in terms of it, its ability to get capital. Uh, to the places where it's needed. It's actually proved to be very effective in terms of alleviation of poverty. Uh, however, I don't think where it's proved to ha have really any, you know, stellar returns is in terms of, you know, honesty, integrity, openness, 
Um, so I think in business there'll always be challenges because the easiest and quickest way to earn profit does not sit well or align with kingdom principles. Mm. I think we just have to accept that. So I think we're on this this journey that if we say, yes, we're a follower of Christ, yes, we want to therefore live you know, those commands out in the workplace, we are not going to make the most money or the quickest buck we could. And so I think there are there are lots of examples. Um, you know, let let me just give you a, a UK example, but there yeah. won't be you know a, an absolute comparison here. So in the UK, uh, right up till uh, the moment I sold the business, uh, there is a minimum wage, um, and, and that is a government stipulated minimum wage. There is also a living wage, uh, at a living wage obviously is far more costly mm-hmm. to the employer and more beneficial to the employee because as i'm sure you could guess uh, the, the living wage is you know significantly more per hour than the stipulated minimum wage and we took a, a decision across all the businesses that we were uh, we we were going to scrap the minimum wage we weren't interested in that conversation um as an absolute minimum uh, to whatever the most menial task or considered in the business was the most menial job role uh, it was deserving of the living wage mm. obviously that money comes straight off your bottom line yeah so why why make that decision so I think that's and this is the, the point is yeah. that if it's just an ethical decision then still that is to be applauded but I think the real reason for that decision was a high view of people mm. and mm-hmm. A, and considered desire to give people dignity and say, you know, regardless, even if you're, you know, uh, uh, and please, I, I'm not in any way running down these roles, but if you are cleaning the office late at night, that doesn't give us you know, an excuse to not have a high view of you and to not give you the living wage. Mm. Um, and so really it came out of, for me, well, how how would Jesus, you know, choose to see and to love and to serve these people if they were in his care and therefore what should we do if they're in our care? So I think there are these there are these very, you know, obvious areas where we get opportunities to make decisions which go against normal business culture and normal mm. business practice uh, and turn it on its head and say there's a better and there's a more rewarding way to do business, uh, and that is through Christ's lenses. So I, I think that that happens on a practical level, and then, as I said, probably on a on a deeper level, it's well, who's winning the spiritual battle in your business? You know, are you even aware there's a spiritual battle in your business? Yeah, well, you know, because if you're not, there definitely is. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, my first piece of advice would be go take a look. Yeah, uh, yeah. because there will be a spiritual battle going on, and so then I think we get into the 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 more interesting conversations around you know saying to business owners, well, you know, when did you last have a prayer night in the business? You know, when did you go round and stand, you know, behind everyone's desk? empty seats when they've gone home at night and pray for them 
and for their families. You know, how committed are you to winning that spiritual battle in your workplace? Yeah, well. Um, and I think that is very much unseen. Mm. You know, so we tend to have this, you know, this the spiritual battle that's unseen versus the practical decisions that are probably debated in the management team or the boardroom. But for me, it's both both are important and alive. Yeah. And you've obviously given it a lot of thought in, in the sense of both that practical scene what's um that that example of the living wage is great um just because yeah you can pay the minimum wage and you'll tick all the boxes in regards to culture and society and the government and looks like it's better than not paying so but a living wage essentially like you said is it dignifies a person it says well yeah, you you deserve to be able to like pay your bills. Con- it considers inflation. It it takes into consideration food costs that are going up, and it really, I think, dignifies a person um, in their humanity. And then on the on the other side as well is yeah, going. Uh, I never even thought of that going behind people's desks or if you're in that that space and being able to take the veils off your eyes and see that there's a spiritual battle going on because there wouldn't really be any other reason to go do what you're doing right if there wasn't a spiritual battle yeah um what would be the point of considering people's families in in terms of holding them up in prayer so that's that's amazing all their their marriages all that exactly yeah exactly and i think you know if you don't think that's go as i said you know if don't think that's going on obviously why do anything about it? Mm. But when we turn up at church on a Sunday, mm. we would be the first to say, yeah, you know, one of the things we're engaged in in a very real way in life is the enemy. Mm. But why would we think he hasn't followed us to work? Like, you know, to me, it's like, you know, crazy. Yeah. You know, it's like, so I, I think you know, realistically, even though you know, I made a joke out of it, is that, you know, he, I think the, the enemy's, you know, what a great tactic is that if we get fooled into thinking he's not interested in every area of our life. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so has there ever been a time then when you've chosen not to do business with a particular organization or individual or company because of their morality or their ethics or um, just the way they conducted their business? Oh, like definitely. So uh, like loads. Yeah. Um, but like a, a great, you know, I think real examples are good. So um, we we outsourced uh, for a while um, the car valet part of our business. So when cars, I, I, again, uh, I, I'm not so familiar with the practices here and I'm out of touch with the automotive industry in some senses. But it was expected that when the cars came in for a service, as a very minimum, once they'd been serviced, they'd get a full uh, wash and vac. I wouldn't say a full detail, but it was a full wash and vac. And it was pretty common for that part of the business to be outsourced to uh, a cleaning company who would supply effectively their contractors to come in and do the wash and vac. But to be honest with you, the when you got in behind what they were paying those people right that was why they could provide the service so cheaply yeah and so you know 
we just said this is unacceptable. Mm. You know, we won't deal uh, with you uh, uh, paying these people at these rates. Uh, and in the end, we ended up employing all of our own uh, valet team. Well, again, we're back to the yeah. living wage argument. Yeah, yeah. But you can see where it's going. In fact, you know, we won't deal with suppliers who are cutting corners. Yeah. But obviously, the main reason that most people would choose a supplier is because they're offering the best service and they're the cheapest. Yeah. It's competitive. Yeah. And it's cheaper than you can do it yourself. Right. But there's a reason it's cheaper than you can do it yourself. So because, would you because, ask those questions? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well. You know, so we'd want to see anti-trafficking documentation. Mm. We'd want to see pay slips, um, you know, of the people who are who they're, who they're employing. Yeah. Because, you know, ultimately there is someone at the end of that decision is a human being. Yeah. You know, who has been created in God's image. Wow. And the reality is they are at the end of that supply chain somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and so I think when we make these decisions purely based on cost, we need to be asking ourselves who's at the end of that decision. Because mm. there will be a human being at the end of that decision. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Help me understand how you got to that place. Because I think, I think a lot of business people are passionate about ethics and are passionate about, sorry, a lot of Christian business mm. um, people are passionate about people and serving people. But in terms of, I don't know how deep they'd investigate. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't say that naturally I have, you know, like a mercy gift or, you know, I'm you know, like I'm definitely not a two on the Enneagram or, you know, anything. <laughs> like, but I think my my advice to myself, so let alone I, I think when you when you when you talk these things through, you've got to be prepared to have taken that advice yourself. And my advice to myself is go and stand in these people's shoes. Mm. And so I actually, you know, I went and stood in some of these, you know, car washes. And even in the UK, they were pretty hot in the summer. They were freezing in the winter. Like, and you're like thinking, I wouldn't want to work in this environment. Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't want to work in this environment if I was getting paid poorly. And then you, you know, you don't have to be like, you know, a, a great detective to strike up a conversation with, you know, these guys and, you know, ask, you know, what they're getting paid and what their journey to work looks like and what their home life's like. Yeah. And you think, you know, if that was one of my kids, what would I be doing about this? You know, I think you start to ask those questions and put yourself in someone else's shoes. I think it's pretty motivating for action. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. So what? Or, yeah. A lot of what you're speaking about, I think, I, I personally hear ringing the gospel. Um, but are there any biblical principles that, um, or teachings that you find particularly relevant or you've held close to your heart? Um, within doing business, uh, this is not uh, maybe the answer that you want. It's very, for you probably want you know a one verse quote. Uh, but no, no, but I, I think it would be interesting, and it's something I've done numerous times, and I I find convicting and challenging. I just would read, pick any one of the four gospels. Mm. And read it from a perspective of what would this actually look like if Jesus was actually in my workplace? 
Uh, and I will say to you, with hand on heart, I haven't seen that to its fullest in any of the businesses I've been involved in. And I hope to in the future. And I hope to, you know, while I'm in Australia. But I think, imagine that in your business, there, there were miracles happening. Why not? You know, why, why would that not happen? Why, why are we ring-fencing that outside of God's sovereignty? Uh, and so for me, it's, it's a, you know, a, a really, a, a very wholehearted and holistic approach to, to what does it look like if Jesus is in my workplace? Mm. Uh, and of course, you know, I understand that we all want to see, you know, heaven here on earth but why wouldn't it be in your business why wouldn't it be in my business mm. you know why we've we've almost be we've almost self-excluded from from seeing all that jesus is in our workplace so so for me yeah i suppose the encouragement to myself and others is let's read the gospel through the lenses of what if this was happening in my work yeah that's awesome and even um while you're while you're chatting i think what I thought of is the the amazing example that Jesus set was to he he asked a lot of questions and almost while you're talking it was that's how you investigated and found out what the conditions were that these contractors that you're using um, were experiencing was through asking questions um, and it's not I suppose making an assumption or um, anything like that, but it's that humble approach, um, which is really cool as well. Yeah, and I don't always do this well, but I think that ultimately curiosity over conclusion. Yeah, wow. You know, I like that. So, you know, that is, I've got it pinned up on, in my office, yeah. here, which is only about, you know, 400 meters from where we're sitting to, <laughs> uh, and I've got it pinned up right above my, my computer screen. It says curiosity over conclusion. I love that. And I think, you know, as you say, if, we, if we're interested, if we're interested in what God's up to, if we're interested in what God's up to in other people's lives, mm. let's get curious. Yeah, very cool. So what advice would you give to other Christians who are looking to integrate their faith into their professional lives and make an impact um, in their respective industries? First thing, you're never too young to start. That would be a, a big thing for me because I think we've we've attributed the same lie that we attribute to generosity and giving to making an impact in our workplace. And quite often, and by that I mean that quite often I hear loads of people saying, yeah, I'm going to sort my giving out when I earn more. Mm. And I'm like, no, you're not. There is no way you are because... You know, if you can't steward the smaller amount, you are not going to find it easier or any easier yeah. to be generous with the bigger amount. So, and in a similar way, I kind of often hear the kind of approach that I would have said myself in my 20s of when I've got more influence, when I've got mm. a bigger title, when people will listen to me, yeah. I'll start then in my workplace, you know, thinking about how I can, you know, see Jesus glorified in it. But I would say no. So like, I think my, my, my first thing is, you're never too young to start. And, you know, if we're going to be faithful with the small, I have no doubt that God will then, you know, honour us with the big opportunity at some mm -hmm. point. 
you know, but ultimately we've got to start somewhere. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, why not start now? Yeah. So I think that that that's that's the first thing, and I, I think that the the second thing is you know around you know not um, conforming, uh, not feeling a, a pressure to do that the way we've you know heard at university, at business school, whatever. But actually, to go back to the gospel, as we said in the last question of you know what would Jesus do in this situation. And I think thirdly, you've got to surround yourself with great people, which I guess takes us all the way back to the discipleship point, um, which we started with. But you are not going to do this alone. It's hard work. You know, ultimately, there is no denying that if you want to see business done in a redemptive way, you're going to take some kicks. You're basically going to be mocked and you've got to surround yourself with great other believers who are going to encourage you, who can discuss with you who will wrestle the issues with you, who you've got like a forum, not only to be discipled, but to be loved, cared for, and to get feedback. Uh, like, because you will have issues that you feel alone and you feel no one else is going to understand. I've been there as a business leader and you think, who do I talk to about this? Yeah. Yeah. Who did you talk to? Well, I think <laughs> part of my desire and drive now to see you know, the kind of entrepreneur and business ecosystem developed out mm. is that it wasn't easy. Yeah. You know, so actually I didn't have loads of people. To, I ended up going back to my friendship group, yeah. some of whom weren't in business. And so they couldn't really be of much, yeah. practically they weren't being of much help. Yeah. In terms of love and prayer, yeah. wonderful people, <laughs> loads of covering. But sometimes you just want to talk to someone yeah. and say, I've got this HR issue. You know, what am I going to do? Yeah, very good. You know, and ultimately, it's lovely when someone gets you and says, I hear you. I've been through this. This is what I would think about. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So if it's so, it's so important to surround yourself with people, you've mentioned that a few times, um, which I agree with 100% people who um, will encourage you in your faith, in Christ, um, and then also have the understanding and that... that um, experience of what you may be going through as well on a on a practical sense um where can people find those places or are there resources that would help in that yeah so i think in terms of finding the spaces and the and the, and the places oh Let's just watch this space. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to turn this into a plug. Yeah, yeah. We, no, go for it. No, we can. We can, we're you know very much looking at setting up that ecosystem here in Perth, and we're going you know again about being curious rather than um, you know dominant. Or mm. we're gonna you know start with a couple of evenings where we see what people are at, see what the interest is, see how we can serve them. So mm. we definitely will be will be doing that. Um, but I think in terms of resources, there, there are really good resources out there. Like, you know, if you could go on to Praxi Lab in New York, you know, they're just on a website, which is uh, praxis.org. You know, there's great resources there. Mm. Um, you know, that, that ultimately, there's lots of good resources you could pull from, like the navigators who are, have got a fantastic entrepreneurial network. Uh, and, you know, so for me, there's definitely things that we can find, you know, and and that that isn't the same mm. as a conversation. Yeah. And that's why I come back to, I think it's resources and friends. Yeah. Not one or the other. Yeah. Very good. Um, and just, we'll, we'll start bringing it to a close as well. 
um, just aware of time. You mentioned a few times that um, habits, or you've alluded to a few times that habits are pretty formative in, um, I suppose, the way you do business. Um, so are you talking about spiritual habit formation or are you talking about practical habit formation or, or both? Um, and if so, then um, what are some examples that Christian business people can adopt into um, their daily lives and into their faith? Let's go for both as the answer. Cool. But let's start with the, the, the spiritual formation. So I went through a phase where, you know, genuinely thought, you know, the, 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 the world might end, you know, if I didn't check my email, um, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and whilst we joke, you know, like there are, I, I think, you know, at times I get for all of us, you know, work can feel all encompassing. It can feel stressful um, and, and it can feel, you know, a dominant part of your life. Uh, but for example, one really simple thing, which, you know, is, is so practical and have been said loads of times, but, you know, I never take my phone in my bedroom. So it doesn't, it's not allowed in the bedroom. It doesn't, it doesn't follow me into the bedroom. Um, it gets docked in the office and it lives in the office. So it's just, it's not an extension of who I am around the home, around my marriage or around my children. However, I think the key thing to this is I got in a habit of the first thing I would do would be wake up, stretch across phone up off of you know yeah. side table and you're into your emails before you've even said good morning to your wife yeah yeah let alone before you've even had your time win the word yeah and so now got a golden sort of rule of of spiritual you know habits and formation is i i won't look at my phone until i've done my quiet time so the world can just wait yeah you know so I, i'm not sure why i thought that god should wait but that, so that was, you know, just like a really simple, um, re really, really practical uh, around that. And, you know, I think that there, there, there's a book called The Deeply Formed Life, which I think there's another one called Atomic Habits. I think both have got interesting thoughts on this. Um, and I think, you know, it's great, isn't it? Just we've got loads of things that can help us now. So, you know, I, I just wonder in terms of, you know, where we find, you know, in terms of calendars, I just want to quickly pick up on this. Yeah. So I think there's been a, a really interesting debate, you know, recently uh, about white space. And I think there was this kind of, uh, I guess it comes out of people's Microsoft Outlook calendars where right. basically when you put it in, it's, it's a color, isn't it? It's blue or it's green. And when yeah. you've got nothing in there, it's white. Okay. And so the, that's white space. Yeah. And, you know, the, the creatives and the innovators were like, you want loads of white space in your diary. Okay? Right. And then the kind of, um, Jim Collins sort of Peter Drucker type, you know, mentality. Where like you want no white space in your diary because you, if it's not if it's not planned, it's not in. Yeah, you know, it won't happen. It won't happen. Yeah, and I'm like, I kind of would sit in the middle yeah. and say, I think you want white space, but I think you want to know what you're doing with it. Yeah, very good. So, so for me, why is it white? And I think we've kind of gone lying to the other side of the boat that we love white space yeah and we we you know, particularly uh about people you know like my age and younger you know are now seeing it's great to have white space and i, I applaud that mm. but in terms of the spiritual part of our journey what but what are you doing with the white space don't fritter it away and so yeah. for me i'd be like well this is white space that i'm giving to god 
No, I, I don't know much more than that. I know it's going to contain some word. It might contain a walk and a prayer. You know, it, it, it might, you know, just contain some, some meditation on the word. But I know that that white space is there as God's space. Yeah. And so I think we just kind of got to try and live in this balance of not planning, you know, every last second of the day, but equally not being, you know, relaxed that sp spiritual formation will happen by chance. Yeah, that's very uh, good. So that's just a thought around, you know, business calendars really yeah. uh and then i think you were saying particularly around the the, the almost the practicalities so i think yeah. you were asking just just a recap yeah, yeah you were saying could we look at what, what what practicalities are there in terms of you know doing things that are habits within the workplace that are good habits yeah yeah exactly so so i think you know a, a great habit would be to look at an org chart and say who this week can I be praying for that is like a spiritual formation and a spiritual habit you know is like right here's the org chart of people in my 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 world mm. who god are you who are you saying that you want me to to draw alongside in prayer or who you want me to have a conversation this week you know and some of the answers sometimes and the convictions are, no, not that person, surely. <laughs> but, but I think that's a, a really interesting spiritual habit within the workplace. Yeah. You know, another thing we've touched on it, you know, would be like where we're responsible for maybe dealing with people outside the business. I come back to the point of how, how much have we investigated and been curious about, should we be doing business with those people? Yeah. So that would be another another practice that we could easily do. Yeah. You know, like it would be like, you know, for those who are accountants, it would be like, right, you know, print off your purchase ledger and see who's on there every month. You yeah. know, it might surprise you. Yeah. It might be interesting. You know, there's, there's lots of little practical things I think you can do uh, which, which point towards, you know, the whole topic of being redemptive in the business. Yeah, very good. Um, and it's been an absolute privilege being able to have a conversation with you um i love your heart firstly for christ and for his redemptive work in your own life and then for your desire and your passion to see that come into fruition in the spaces that you find yourself um i've been personally encouraged by this conversation and i hope that our listeners have been able to take one or two pieces i'm sure at the very least of yeah, just real nuggets of gold where they can incorporate into their professional lives. And um, my desire would be to see, yeah, that Jesus would become the center and of of their lives and then also that the impact of his redemptive work will start spreading through the cities. So, yeah, thanks so much for having this conversation. I think I only got through like half of the questions that I had for you. <laughs> well, you know, in my psychometric profiling, I am too talkative, so I apologise. No, don't I don't apologise for being too talkative. It's it's awesome. I think it just means that I'd love to have another conversation with you and just engage further on. I think yeah, God's doing some awesome, awesome work in your life and through you. And um, like you said, you you're working on something here in Perth. Um, so when that's launched, maybe we can have another conversation and see how that's going and and um, the work that God's doing there. 
always up for the part two. Listen, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. How did you find those peanut butter M&Ms? Uh, it's going to cost me. <laughs> thanks, Ben. Cheers. <laughs>